Former President Donald Trump dominates in Iowa. He wins the Iowa caucuses by an unprecedented margin. The battle for second and third place was really the the built-in drama of the night, but Trump's dominant victory also really stands out. It's been a very strange 24 hours for Trump as the intersection of the campaign trail and the courtroom come to a head today. He was in Iowa working his way back. I hope he's not stuck in the airport. Chief White House Correspondent Major Garrett joining us. Hello, Major. Hello, it's great to be with you. I am in O'Hare International Airport. Welcome to my four-hour layover oh, on my flight to D.C. Well, you, you can probably drive. <laughs> Just get in the car. Come up here. We'll take care of you. Layover better than a cancellation, though, or true. a four-hour delay. Yes, At least yes. you're prepared you, you, for it. You, you would be better than a four-hour delay. And uh, at one degree in Milwaukee, that would be balmy compared to what I was experiencing in Des Moines. Uh, it was seriously cold there. Uh Last night, negative 10, day before, negative 11, wind chill in the negative 20s and 30s. So, yeah, one degree, that'd be great. Yeah, Did that affect things in any way in Iowa oh, with the, with the turnout major? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Look, there are 187,000 Republican caucus goers, roughly, give or take, uh, in 2016. Just over 110,000 last night. So down by more than 70,000. And the weather was definitely a part of it. The other part of it was everyone knew what was going to happen. Um, there was no doubt. Uh, I've been covering the Iowa caucuses since 1996. And this is by far the dullest caucus I've ever covered. There just was no sense of curiosity. I mean, there was a sense of curiosity, but there wasn't any sense about what's going to happen. Everyone knew it was going to happen. That race hadn't budged in six months, if not 12 months. The question was really who was going to come in second, right? Right, but that was not a dramatically important question because the distance was so far between second and third and Trump. I mean, look, anyone can say, okay, uh, Trump's a former president, so he comes in as kind of an incumbent, but he also has this sort of status as challenger. The indictments make a Republican voter, especially base Trump voters, more inclined to support him and rally around him. So those are three potent factors. Okay, that should give him maybe a 10 or 15 point edge, a 30 point edge. I mean, honestly, and I know that the Haley and DeSantis campaigns are making an argument that they're still viable after Iowa. And I think for Haley, because she broke into that second and third place contention status late and didn't spend nearly as much time or money, importantly, in Iowa as Ron DeSantis did, she's got a more credible case, but still. 30 points is way, way, way behind. That's not a dramatic story. That's kind of a, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you came in second and uh, you came in third. I mean, think about it this way. Does anyone remember who came in second to Secretariat in 1973 at the Belmont Stakes when Secretariat won by 31 lengths? I did not. No one remembers. I can tell you, twice a prince came in second, 31 lengths behind Secretariat. That's what we're talking about. So, so Trump wins in a, a landslide. Now, and Iowa has not really been, you know, the, with the arrow pointing at the candidate, the, the future president in every case, no. right? Just go back in history. You can look it up. But right. is it meaningful for Trump as he looks ahead to New Hampshire? Sure. And you're right. 44% overall, 37% in contested Republican primaries. That's Iowa's track record picking the nominee. So it's not really good. But... I was different this time. Everything about this is different. So we don't know what the, we don't know. There is no threshold in modern American presidential politics for 
a defeated incumbent president seeking the nomination again. I mean, let's ask ourselves, what do we think would be Jimmy Carter's status in the 1984 Iowa caucuses? If having lost to Ronald Reagan in 1980, he somehow decided to come back and run in 84. Do you think he would be the front runner or not? What about George Herbert Walker Bush? What if he had participated in the Republican caucuses in Iowa in 1996 after being defeated by Bill Clinton in 1992. In both cases, I think the Democratic Party had moved on from, or the Republican Party, both parties had moved on. Democrats from Carter, Republicans from George Herbert Walker Bush. So one of the huge questions hanging over these Iowa process was, did the Republican Party want to move on from Trump? And that's why they invested so much time and energy and discipline ground operations to make sure they won Iowa so they could answer that question. No, the party doesn't want to move on from Trump. And they wanted to do that with emphasis if they could. And by any statistical measure, they did. Major, looking ahead, we've got the New Hampshire primary coming up next Tuesday, a week from today. What happens if Trump also wins in New Hampshire? Is that it for the others then? He's got Iowa and New Hampshire at that point? So no one I've talked to believes that if Trump wins Iowa and New Hampshire, he loses South Carolina. No one. I don't think even Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis believe that. A win in Ohio, a win in Iowa, a win in New Hampshire begets a win in South Carolina, all of which leads up to Super Tuesday with momentum for one Republican, Trump, and nobody else. And I'm not even sure that even if Nikki Haley were to win, maybe by two or three or maybe in, in, in the most outrageously beneficial outcome for Nikki Haley, five points in New Hampshire, she could win in South Carolina. I mean, there has to be a tidal shift among Republicans, not only in lots of other contests, but a tidal shift to Haley and away from Trump in South Carolina. And the problem for Nikki Haley is the South Carolina Republican Party that elected her governor is not the same Republican Party anymore. She was Nikki Haley then. It's a Donald Trump, South Carolina, and Trump-dominated state party leadership now. And even a victory in New Hampshire might not be able to overcome that. But if she loses New Hampshire to Trump, she will definitely lose South Carolina to Trump because there's no way Trump's momentum is going to collapse in South Carolina after wins in Iowa and New Hampshire. And then you have to ask yourself, well, what, what's going to happen after South Carolina? He's just going to bulldoze through Super Tuesday, and effectively, this is over. The race is only heating up, and it's only getting stronger, apparently, uh, it looks like, for Donald Trump. In a courtroom about, I don't know, what would you say, 12 hours after being in Iowa, then on his way to New Hampshire? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the campaign trail and courtroom intersection is certainly not slowing him down, Major. It isn't, and he told my colleague Robert Costa something directly last week in New York when they had a brief conversation. Former President Trump told my colleague Robert Costa, Robert, the courtroom is the campaign. The campaign is the courtroom. And I know that it has worked so far, and it may continue to work, but that is a risky strategy on a couple of levels. First of all, it makes it sound like all the various legal situations are starkly political. Well, you may tell people that, but that doesn't mean they are. And that doesn't mean when you get into a courtroom, you can argue politics because you can't. You have to argue the facts and the law and present your case. And eventually, those dynamics will render a judgment on you. And it won't be a political one. It'll be a judicial one. The other problem with it, and I think Trump is playing a dangerous game here, staying in the courtroom and acting like the courtroom is always my always to be my benefit. 
Well, if Trump knows anything about marketing and the American attention span is that you've got to give people something new and catchy. Staying in courtrooms for a while has been historic, has been new and catchy. Almost a full year in a courtroom, that starts to wear thin. Not as a legal matter, but as a political marketing matter. And I know he likes the idea that it's a victim status and he has grievances and his hard, dedicated MAGA base will rally to him. But that is not and cannot be, and I don't believe will be, an effective general election strategy. He is working his way back to Washington, D.C. from Iowa. He is at O'Hare. I suggest nuts on Clark or Auntie Anne's pretzel if you're looking for a snack major. It'll keep you tied it over until you get on the plane. And my family namesake, Garrett Popcorn. Come on. There, well, there you, you go. go. Yes, yeah. yeah, you know your way around that airport. Good for you. You're going to be in great shape. Enjoy that layover. Thank you, Major. We'll check it again next week. Yeah.